0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ozholics podcast on a Thursday night. Um, we are live. You've got yeah. me, Raj, and, and Mize here with you. We are just, I mean, Man City have just played Chelsea, so we can give you some raw feels about that. But Mize, how's it going, mate?
1: Yeah, I'm all right, man. I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, kind of uh, Christmas is over. World Cup's over. Um, so yeah, just a uh, new year and all of that. So uh, back to work and everything. So yeah, doing fine in general. But um, yeah, uh, I guess very happy that we're sort of back into the swing of things in regards to like Premier League football. Um, uh, and yeah, there's a lot to talk about. So yeah, let's get into it.
0: There is, you know, before we get into it properly, just conscious it's a new year. Happy New Year to everyone, all of our all of our listeners. But also, you know, it's a new year, and you might be it might be the first time that you've picked up this podcast. You know, his New Year's resolution may have been to listen to more podcasts from people called Raj and maybe Mize. That might have been a a resolution of yours. If it was, uh, really appreciate you guys tuning in for the first time. A little bit of a recap on background. Um, Mize and I, along with Aaron and Nero, Nero who is a fairly infrequent, should we say, (laughs) participant on this podcast, but the four of us anyway are um, season ticket holders in the North Bank. We've been going for a number of years and um, and this podcast started in, in in lockdown um and it was partly i think it was feeling a bit of a void, wasn't it Mize, of uh, of the conversations that we would have in the pub pre and post post arsenal um yeah. and uh you know we kind of missed each other, missed talking about arsenal um and so we decided to just um to do this and 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 click record on um on our conversation uh and um and really you know one of the things that we've we 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 have tried to do always is. Is bring a little bit about uh, of the match day experience. You know, after COVID, obviously, when we're allowed back in the ground, um, you know, we 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 really in our in our pods and our episodes wanted to try and I guess um, add some color to uh, to what people may have seen on TV in terms of what the atmosphere was like. Some of the things that you notice when you're on the ground, you know, sometimes you know, some things that you notice in the game, right? Which um, you don't necessarily notice on TV, but you do um, when you're there. So we um, we you know we we also wanted to do a little bit of that. And so if it's the first time. That you're listening, I you know, really hope you enjoy the podcast. Uh, and, um, you know, ho- hopefully uh, you'll tune in again. Um, today, you've only got Mize and I. Uh, you don't have, usually, it's three of us, usually, at least it's three of us. And, and Aaron is, um, unfortunately, well, no, happily for him, he's, he's still traveling. So, Aaron, the diehard Arsenal fan that he is, was traveling in Asia for a little while. He, you know, he told his family that he flew back for Christmas. In reality, he flew back for the West Ham game. Um, and then, uh, and then he went back out to, um, to, to Asia. So he's, he's in Asia at the moment and, uh, in Vietnam, I think, at the moment. Um, and, uh, so he wasn't at the Newcastle game either. Um, but, um, but Mize and I were. So, you know, Mize, before we get into the Newcastle game, uh, it's a bit raw, isn't it? In terms of, um, the result that's just happened. Um, so let's just reflect on that for a moment. So Chelsea didn't do us a favor. Mm. <laughs> um, they just lost at home to man city 1-0 the same score that we went to the the bridge and won by i mean what's your initial feels makes it feels really weird isn't it being big here sitting there going like you know really rooting for chelsea yeah. uh, you know because feel, you know yeah. we, you know in, in a title race that you know we're in and they're not do you know what i mean it's really weird
1: it is weird it feels weird rooting really, for chelsea and it feels weird um playing such close attention to the city results at the moment um not something we've had to do for well pretty much uh, last five, six years or longer than that. So um, w- weird, but quite nice, right? Because it means that these big games, we're actually, you know, we're directly impacted by the results. So it's, it's just quite nice that we're involved and we're in the mix. Um, yeah, like initial reactions. Like, so I, I caught, I would say, most of the game or a fair, a fair chunk of the game. Didn't watch all of it and kind of had it on in the background. But um, initial thoughts, like I actually thought Chelsea might, get a result tonight. Um, mm, Stafford Bridges, gen- yeah, they're generally a difficult place to go. I didn't realise how bad their injury situation was. not Like we were just catching up before we started recording. And they obviously had a couple of other injuries, quite big injuries at the start of the game as well, which must have impacted um, what they wanted to do. Um, but I think it, it seemed like a pretty, like City didn't play very well in the first half and they seemed to, you know, come out, following mm. probably a pep rollicking um in, in, at halftime and came out in the second half basically a, a different team it, it looked like and and the city that we expect um the city that we are used to seeing and you know pretty ballsy to be able to sub off Cancelo and carl walker at halftime i mean arguably arguably i'm not saying they are but the two best fullbacks in the league mm. definitely paying for the best team in the league well not at the moment but you know what i mean um and to make that kind of change away, you know, at Stamford Bridge, it's a pretty big call um, and it paid off. So fair play. I think it felt like it was a bit of a just one of those games where lots of fixtures, lots of congestion um, Yeah, in terms of games. And sometimes there's just matches where if you're going to basically try and win the league or win the league, then you need to just get, get a result. Um, they didn't play at their best um kdb wasn't at his best harland actually didn't score which is <laughs> a surprise these days um or any game that he plays in but you know they've they, they've got the result they've got the three points so yeah a little a little bit frustrated but i think if you'd actually look at where chelsea are this season obviously league position wise you know manager changing uh mid-season all of that injuries uh, maybe we were more hopeful than anything that chelsea might do mm-hmm. something tonight <laughs> um mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, maybe a different season, another season or seasons gone by. Chelsea away, you know, is a bit of a tougher game and maybe they might have got something from it. So, you know, it is what it is at the end of the day. From an Arsenal perspective, it doesn't really change anything for us because we're in a position now where we just got to just keep trying to do what we're doing and try to keep that consistency and that level, that performance level is, as high as it's been uh, and and see where it takes us for the rest of the season. That's that's all we can really focus on. You're totally right.
0: It's also a game that, um, you know, when you contrast against Arsenal's game against Newcastle, this was really an occasion where it it became very obvious about what the difference is between Arsenal and Man City. When, when Man City were, you know, it was still nil-nil, between the period of nil nil and one nil they brought on 160 million pounds worth of substitutes on <laughs> yeah yeah you know uh and then when they're seeing out the game you know 85th minute we bring on maybe an el Nenny, they bring calvin phillips 50 million mm-hmm. you know just to just to kind of just to shore it up a little bit do yeah. some safe you know safety in numbers do you know what i mean and it's a um it was it's, it's a it's a really in- interesting contrast because you know when we get in and we start talking about the um the Arsenal Newcastle game, I think that's definitely one thing that became apparent. You know, <laughs> the, the lack of options off the bench. Yeah. So Chelsea certainly felt that today. But you know, I guess for them, it's a, it's a massive injury crisis that they have, and they had in in-game injuries. An interesting point I wanted to uh, mention to you actually is on the cancello Carl, Carl Walker point. Um, so I, I read this really interesting article from, and it's, it's, it's really bad that I don't remember. The, the name of the guy who wrote it, it wasn't someone that oh, I think was a you know famous journalist or anything, but I think it was a City fan, and he was basically talking about Rico Lewis, and um, and he was talking about how actually, if you've been watching City for uh, a while, like so let's just say you know from the start of this season in, in pre-season like Rico Lewis's emergence and his kind of budging out of other fullbacks in the team is not a surprise, and, and more so. It's basically a tactical evolution of the team that Pep's been trying to do for ages and is finally being able to do it because of Rico Lewis. And he's basically inferring that like that Rico Lewis will essentially be more and more and more and more of a feature throughout this season until Pep figures that it's at a point where, you know, he feels like he can fully rely on him even more so than he is doing now. So it's not. And what he was saying is it's not a form thing. It's that Rico Lewis is doing something in this team that none of the other fullbacks have been able to do, any of the ones that he signed in the past or even the ones that he has now. And he was basically explaining that whenever Rico Lewis has come on, even if you go back to pre-season and the meaningless games, and even if you go just to the sub-appearances that he'd had this season leading up to, I think he he made his full debut in the the, uh, Champions League, I want to say, when he's come on, he's played a very, very specific type of role where it's like the inverted fullback role where he basically goes... Um, into into kind of you know he doesn't actually play on, as as a right back he kind of goes into central midfield but more so he basically ends up being this free role and just operates all across midfield all across kind of both sides of the wing in fact like they're basically the only the only almost position that he doesn't end up kind of playing on the pitch is centre forward and goalkeeper the the only two positions like right. it's a very very specific thing that he's been asked to do and they reckon that this is part of an evolution. so you know the point about Cancelo and Kyle Walker I mean you know you, you you're you're spot on for the fact that they've probably been two of the best if not the best fullbacks in the league for for a while but it's so interesting that Man City are at a point or Pep feels like he's at a point where he still wants to evolve the team to such a point where he's 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 evolving it through a you know and he's so you know he, he's one of those ideas guys you know he's very transfixed on his ideas and how he wants to play football that despite all their money and obviously the money helps and all the big squad helps you know he's identified some kid from the academy as mm. the only guy who can do this job mm. um so it's interesting to, to see if we yes. if, you know if yes. we see that more but i guess playing to you know to you know what might help us in this title race is you know it sounds like pep is very transfixed on this next evolution of his city team and he wants to kind of get some of these ideas through and wants to kind of tweak the team that you know extra little bit and i wonder how stubborn he will be to that if if City continue to kind of drop points randomly and you know it starts looking like it might get a little bit tighter for them than than it would or or do you think that ultimately you know when he wants to turn it on he'll just kind of turn it on and, and play the teams that he needs to to get the results and and ultimately you know take it away from us
1: I don't I don't think it's to be honest I don't think it's necessarily either of those I think it's just more a case of um you know he knows what to do to win Premier Leagues and most of these players do as well. Um, and they've just got this you know, freak up front who's probably going to hit 35, 40 goals in the Premier League this season. But I think it's actually more a case of if they do keep dropping, obviously they didn't tonight, but if they do have these sort of random results where they're dropping points, it might be more a case of assessing where they are in a couple of months and the focus might move slightly onto the Champions League. Um, because of obvious reasons right they haven't won it oh, pep hasn't won it for city city haven't won it before and and you know it does feel like that is the missing um that's the missing piece of the pep era at city um and ultimately i think that's you know i think that's the that's the target you know that's like the golden the golden target as it were so um that's the only reason that i can really see city kind of taking their eye off the Premier League you know if we kind of maintain a bit of a gap or if our gap gap excuse me um increases somehow over the next few weeks um and as we get into the back end of the season there's possibly a chance that City might start to shift focus to the Champions League maybe um but then you'd probably look at their again you look at the fact that they're City and you look at the fact that like you mentioned you know the bench that they've got the squad that they've got um they might not even need, they probably won't even need to do that, to be honest. They'll probably be able to compete on both fronts and um progress pretty far. Uh,
0: there was an interesting stat that they pulled up on Sky Sports as well, where they basically said that, you know, unlike most teams in history, like um cities if you look past the last few seasons at least, their points accumulation from this point of the season till the end just ramps up. So I think over the past few seasons around between this point in the season, and the end of the season, they averaged something like 2.7 points a game. Wow. Like it's, it's like insane. Like they've just, they almost just like click into a different gear yeah. from now to the end of the season. So that kind of puts into perspective, right? If we are, if we're genuinely going to try and do this and go toe, toe to toe, like, okay. One side is if, if the past is anything to go by, then, you know, we're, we're basically having to look at every game as a, as almost a must-win game to, to a certain extent. But then I guess there's a, a point in the mind, isn't it, where, like, to be honest, City so far this season have kind of looked in some ways a little bit more fallible than they have in previous seasons. So despite those stats kind of in previous seasons, like, it's pretty unlike City to be fairly regularly looking like they could drop points at home. So, like, their last three games at home, I think, Brentford lost and they just recently drew against um Everton and remember Fulham they won in the last minute
1: oh, they, yeah yeah
0: you know so i don't know if it's a, is it a different city like you know are we should we not get too worried based on the past
1: i mean i mean i don't know like i feel like this conversation is is kind of premature as well right when <laughs> which you're just you know... you're
0: just like too <laughs> you know, you're too, what's the word? Like, you know, cautious. cautious you've just been burnt by. I think we all have I, so I, no, like, I know. I know. I know. Are you,
1: are you in the, in the, uh, what, what, what's your mindset then? Are you a bit more optimistic or are you confident that we can stay where we are?
0: Um, look, not necessarily. Like I, I, I think that. I think for the first time in, you know, a couple of years, in actually more than a couple of years, for the first time. I genuinely believe we're a really good team. Mm. And you know despite for example drawing at home at Newcastle my my haven't changed my mind hasn't changed on that but I, but I think that the only reason why I still think the city will finish above us and actually this is the only reason at this point is is squad depth. I don't actually even think it's necessarily the experience thing because I think yes the experience thing is great they've won like lots of lots of trophies and stuff like this. But I think our kind of youthfulness plays into it in a positive way as well. I think there's a bit of fearlessness from Arsenal in that perspective. There's a bit of a kind of, well, we weren't supposed to be doing this in the first place. Like no one thought we were going to be competing for the title. So let's just, whatever, let's just go out and do it. So there's that that kind of, you know, that that helps us, I think. But I think it is squad depth, man. And, you know, for them to pull out the players that they were doing now, you know, you're nil-nil. And then, you know, you just change it up like that. Yeah, we just don't have that at all, at all. And even, even this window—if we go into this window—and we'll talk about this window a bit later—if we go into this window and we sign a couple of players, it's still not, it's still like nowhere near as yeah. as, as as deep as they are. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, but I do, I think, but I do think that I think that this season is is still going to be so up and down. Like I don't think I think there's a bit of a school of thought that's emerging amongst Arsenal fans that once this gap starts shrinking. Um, there will be no way back, so it's almost like you know the inevitable will will happen as it starts shrinking. I, mm. I I feel slightly differently because as you pointed out, Champions League will start. City also have a number of difficult fixtures around this period as well. You know, like so. So I think it could be fairly up and down. I think the gap might shrink. It might get a little bit bigger at some point. It might, you know, I don't know. Th- these things might happen. Um, but I, I think what was what started to alarm me slightly is. It's actually some of those other teams, like if I Newcastle, but Man United, Man United aren't as far off
1: no, <laughs> as I remember it was them being. Deceiving, wasn't it? But, yeah, yeah. Back, they seem to be back in it, but they've had a fairly comfortable run in terms of the last few games, right? So, kind of games you'd expect them to win, but yeah, like they've hit form at probably a decent time for them, especially as we've got them in a couple of weeks. But I mean, for me, mate, it's like, like even. I mean, you're probably getting the same thing. I don't, I don't know. But when you, when I speak to mates um, who are fans of all, all, all the other clubs, basically, or all of the bigger clubs, um, you know, that we, we basically, as soon as we dropped points against Newcastle the other night, I was getting messages saying, "Ah, oh, you guys, you know, it started. You know, it's the, the lead's going to become what five points again come Thursday night." And you know, I was pretty calm about it. Like my response was pretty much just. look as long to be you know focus on what the target was right and where we've Mm -hmm. been the last few seasons if we get top four which if we don't get top four from the position we're in now that is a that is a big failure but basically come the end of the season as long as we're in the Champions League next season you know that still has to be considered a good season a successful Mm -hmm. season Um, especially when you look at some of the players that we're being linked with especially when you look at just all the things that we spoke about for the last two years, with what Arteta is doing and the the squad and the, the yeah the youthfulness of the squad, as you mentioned, and you know these exciting players and so many so many things that you can get behind and 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 now we're actually playing really good football. We're we're playing attacking football. We're scoring goals. We have a, a way of scoring goals. We have a way of breaking teams down and 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 um, and opening teams up. So so all of these positives, you know, I think ultimately, you know, anything even second would be ridiculous to be honest. When mm-hmm. you look mm-hmm. at you look at what Liverpool have been doing for the last few years when you look at how much other teams are spending, Man United, Chelsea, and so on. Like, second would be mental to be, and Newcastle, like, second would be mental. So, you know, I just I think we just, it's one of those seasons where I'm obviously excited. I'm hoping that, you know, we're, that there is, you know, I'm dreaming of glory come May. Um, and I'm dreaming of, you know, potentially winning the Premier League for sure. But I think if we do fall off, which I think in the, Re- most realistic Arsenal fans think is probably going to happen at some point or it might just be City like you said are just that good we just can't sustain that level of performance 2.7 mm-hmm. points a game 2.7 points a game yeah that's 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 crazy so um, you know like I say if we can if we can sustain it, it, if we can sustain the performance levels to the point that we finish top four or keep us in the top four for the rest of the season then I'll be happy I'll be happy and I think most Arsenal fans will be on reflection
0: it's 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 funny though isn't it how fickle you know we are as fans you the beginning of the season the question was all about making top four and you know if you go on social media you'd see loads of arsenal fans who are saying oh if we don't sign this person if we don't sign these positions and we're not going to be in the top four and how yeah. can Arteta do this how can they do this all this kind of stuff and then and now the same people are basically like you know, we've got a chance to win the league. They need to sign this player and that player. If they don't sign these players, then we're not going to win the league. And then, you know, they'll have cost us the league. It's crazy, isn't it? When you think of it that way, right? Like we, we like you say, I think, you know, we never thought that we'd be in the title race. We, that We You know, no, I know we joked about Aaron and not make a comment, you know, <laughs> in, in one of our first episodes of the season, but he realistically didn't think that we were going to be a title contender this season. None of us did the fact that this is happening is is um remarkable um and you know we're just such a young team and 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 we're gonna go places so let's let's talk about the newcastle game mate so um you know we were both there geez it wasn't the greatest weather was it um but you know it was it, it was a real good buzz about bad. the ground though wasn't it before the game it was a nice buzz wasn't it
1: yeah yeah i mean kind of the buzz that we've been seeing quite a lot um not just this season, but probably last season as well. um, like I said before, uh, there's fans fans are kind of back on board with the club and and with what the team are doing. So every reason to be happy. I mean, look, if you can't kind of get yourself up, given that we missed six, seven weeks of Premier League football, right? I think fans like me, I speak on behalf of myself, you know, I definitely just appreciate going back to the Emirates, you know, going back for the West Ham game, going, going back for the Newcastle game. It was just, just nice to be back at the Emirates and watching live football again. So yeah, no, it was, it was a good buzz. I think everyone was, it was one of those, it felt, it felt like a big game before the game. It felt like first versus third, even though it's Newcastle and even though it's Arsenal, two teams that haven't been in those positions at all, uh, if at all over the last few seasons, it still felt like a big game. It felt like, like a heavyweight game, if you know what I mean. Um, And and I think there was a bit of anticipation about, let's see, Newcastle, you know, from a Newcastle perspective, it was like, right, we're going to the league leaders. You get an opportunity to see what Newcastle are really about, you know, a proper test for them. And I think for Arsenal, it was like, okay, we've had some good results. We've had some really good results um, this season, but obviously coming back from the World Cup or coming back from the break, West Ham and Brighton beating both of those teams. But, okay, now this is, this is a big challenge. You know, Newcastle don't concede goals. Newcastle have only lost one game this season. What can... What can Arsenal do so I think it just had that you know anticip- and, and it was a night game as well so I had that anticipation of um uh, of it being a big game yeah
0: yeah and you know for those of you who are watching live and or 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 watching this recorded on YouTube you'll see we've got the teams up here on the screen these these so this is a you know again again we're bringing the innovations to you so Mize is just <laughs> mate he's whipped out all of his management consulting experience and just come up with a slide deck for this show to start the year i mean are they, are these slides are beautiful i have high standards as an ex-management consultant myself these are beautiful fair enough like you know some of these like graphics you know are, are stolen from other places but the way that they've been presented i mean it's 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 real top quality stuff i mean i feel sorry for you if you're listening on Spotify or Apple or whatever and you can't see this, it's genuinely beautiful. It's, it's the nicest thing me.
1: that anyone's ever has said to me probably this year, mate. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thanks a lot.
0: Well, look, I hope it continues that way. No, honestly, it looks brilliant. So what we're looking at right now is a team, other uh, are, are teams out here. And so, so you know, you know, as, as you mentioned about, you know, them being a defensive unit, mm. I mean, one of, one of the things that, you know, just completely shocked me when we saw the teams out is how massive they are as a team yeah. and specifically sven botman dan burn i mean i tweeted that from behind they just look like clones like two giants yes. who have just been cloned like massive units like huge like yeah, yeah. like freaks like you know like just built like they're, they're not even skinny they're not like crouch skinny they're like yeah. real big guys Definitely. and then you know add people like that bruno, bruno grimares who's also like uh no sorry not bruno grimares joe linton, joe linton who's yeah. um who's a, a, you know, a proper unit as well they look big didn't they mate
1: yeah yeah we we both we both said it to each other um yeah <laughs> basic units absolute units especially botman because i think we've seen dan Byrne come to the emirates before and i think no, it's the same thing he's he's, he's huge um but when Botman was coming up for corners um, in the first half, because yeah, Newcastle were attacking our end in the first half. When Botman was coming up for, for Newcastle corners, it was just like I think it was Martinelli on him, if I remember, and it was just like what a mismatch. Like Martinelli's not a small guy; like he's not mm. he's not a Casola. Um, he's probably what six foot or something. He looked tiny. He looked tiny compared to Botman. So yeah, they've got they got some decent physical uh, physical presence in, in their team for sure.
0: And we still kind of, you know, we're persisting with balls in the air through the game. Which, t- you know, to, work, to be honest, all things considered, given the size of their team, I think, I think we didn't do too bad a job um, with competing. But it just, it did. I think it's one of those things, mate. That before the game, uh, I hadn't watched too many, too much of Newcastle by way of, you know, too many ninety-minute games. So you see the stats. You see that they've got a great defensive record. They're the best. They've got the best defense in the league in terms of, you know, goals conceded, and. I wasn't necessarily sure as to why that was until I saw them, you know, until I saw them at the Emirates where they're massive and they're really well drilled and they just concentrate for 90 minutes. Um, yeah. Teams have tried to, you know, it felt like teams have sort of tried to do this at the Emirates, like they've tried to defend, they've tried to, West Ham tried to do it, just, just like low block it. Mm. But ultimately the pace we play out, the talent that we have, It's gonna unpick most most teams. I was so impressed with just Newcastle's discipline throughout the game.
1: Yeah, Um, it was it was interesting as well because obviously, yeah, like like you said, they've not conceded many goals. But before the game, like you turned to me and said, "Right, predictions," and I said words to the effect of, "I think we're gonna smash them." Like I I genuinely thought we were gonna, not to say that we didn't, but I thought we were gonna carry forward with this like the momentum that we've had. We start games. We've been starting games pretty kind of uh, fast out of the traps. Mm. Um, and we have those periods in games where we're really kind of just like our attacking players are just turning it on and teams can't seem to cope with it. Like the West Ham game, for example, and Brighton as well, you know. Um, and we've, and won, I, we've won every home game this season. Yeah. And that as well. We've been really yeah. good at home. So I kind of felt like Newcastle just wouldn't be able to contain us. I didn't think, I, I wasn't saying we'd thrash them as in it would just be a 5 0 walkover, but I meant there'll be a period in the game where we'll really, really turn it on and we'll get a couple of goals and the score might end up being something like three one. And that wasn't saying that that wasn't kind of dismissing Newcastle as a, as a decent team or as a good team. It's just, I was so confident in what we've been doing for the last few, well, last few months, basically. Um, So yeah, it was really interesting that, and, and I kind of expected, that, so the other, the other thing I sort of thought was going to happen before the game in terms of how Eddie Howe was going to approach it was, I really did think that he was gonna give it a real go in the sense that they're sitting in third. They've obviously had like fantastic results. Um, but this was, like I said before, this is their their biggest test, right? This is like the litmus test for them. Are Newcastle a serious team or not kind of thing? And if they'd have come to the Emirates and got folded um and completely destroyed, a lot of people would have been like, ah, oh, they're probably not gonna, you know, they're probably not gonna last the course for top four or whatever, whatever whatever their, their goals are for this season. And so I just thought it was almost for Eddie Howe as a manager and as, you know, he's been there for a little while now. It was his opportunity to come to the league leaders and say, right, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to basically go and try and win the game. If I can't win the game, we'll go for a, we'll take a draw, but I'm actually going to come out, I'm going to let the team come out and play as opposed to doing what they did, which was, which was, you know, sit in and um, try and basically try and sit on a nil-nil. So I was somewhat surprised that, that's how he approached the game but in hindsight and on reflection you know based on how well they did defend and they got what they wanted out of the game I'm not like in hindsight it, it made it made sense and it's obviously a fantastic point for them so um yeah no similar to what you said mate like I was super super impressed with them defensively they like Trippy is a fa- Trippier's is actually a very very good like player I know he does really well for England and um he probably doesn't get as much credit as he Deserves for whatever reason, but he's actually a very good player. He did a real. I said this to you after the game. He did a really good job on Martinelli. Martinelli yeah. was still trying things, and I, I feel like he was still somewhat, somewhat dangerous, but not as effective as he's been. Um, he didn't get the opportunity. He got on the ball quite a bit, but I don't think he got past Trippier very often. And and similarly on the other side, Saka. I think in the first half there was a there was a moment where well, there was like a a, a a passage of play where Saka, I think he just destroys Dan Byrne, knocks the ball past him, gets to the byline and puts across crossing or whatever, pulls the ball back. And I think from that point on, they pretty much just doubled up on Saka. And I think it was Joe Linton who was like the second player just kept coming across. Every time Saka had the ball, it was uh, Dan Byrne and Joe Linton. And Saka still had a really good game to be fair. And he was still dangerous, but um, they obviously tried to nullify the threat, you know, probably our two two biggest threats. And, um, so, yeah, no, like you say, it was a pretty impressive uh, and very, what I'd say, solid performance from them. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how they, like, it, it's, it's quite interesting to see that they're able to come into a game like this, set up the way they did, and play the way they did, but then probably going into the next game, I don't know who they've got, but when they go into other games where they're almost now expected to win, they can probably... They, they probably have enough going forward to play uh, play the play the way they've been playing for they the play. previously. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. They've got like both facets to to their game now. So it probably means that they are like a serious serious outfit now.
0: Yeah, I agree because it felt like a lot of their players had to curb their natural instincts. I mean, Almiron, I felt like probably had a game where he was, you know, didn't really enjoy and, um, and he, he he was incredibly ineffectual. But I think that's because, you know, the tactics necessitated them to play a different way. And and so it will be interesting, as as, as kind of you say, to see how they kind of flip between different, different modes of uh, di- different approaches, because, you know, that's probably what they're going to need to do this season. But it's, you know, I respect them a lot for it, um, I guess. You know, at the end of the day, we were complaining at the time. And I think I still felt quite raw about, um, you know, after the game about how, they had approached it because there was a lot of time wasting there was a, yeah. you know, a lot of shithousery kind of thing that was going on during during the game there was a lot of fouling felt the referee you know i felt the referee was you know not not being very consistent or just or just maybe a little bit kind of haphazard with how he was issuing his fouls and yellows and if you look at the stats of the game like we've got on the screen here it would just um you know it basically tells a story of of a a a superior team at home um trying to kind of go up against a low block basically that's what the stats sort of show they show you know a home team with a high amount of possession more shots more passes um fewer fouls basically that's um that's what um what it shows but but in practice you know they, they probably did do a lot of other things right like you said you mentioned about kieran trippier doing just a really good job on on um on martinelli and just you know how they dealt with wingers um I think another thing that to, to be called out is, is Odegaard was not as effective as normal, um, and I think in in retrospect, I think they just did a very very good job on him uh, and putting a lot of they put a lot of pressure on Odegaard. They didn't really give him that much time on the ball, didn't let him dictate the game as he normally was, and I think that similarly, kind of w- with what they were doing to Xhaka. They were just rushing us a little bit mm. so I think the point on martinelli for example I think you know martinelli it felt like didn't have his most effective game but I you know now looking back on it I think a lot of that was I, I recall many times the passes to him being a little bit short or a bit a bit too or a bit too long or a bit just kind of mistimed and him having to do a little bit more work than normal like basically just not receiving it in uh, in, in as a as a quality of pass as as we've come been used to seeing him receive, and I think that's basically because of the pressure that Newcastle put on the likes of Xhaka and Odegaard and even Partey So yeah. I do I do sort of credit credit them in that, um but I credit us as well. Like we we really kept going, didn't we? I mean, we were really, you know, the the the, the kind of effort was still there. That you know we we were knocking on the door. Yes, a lot of those crosses that were going into the boss box seemed a, a little bit pointless at times, given how big they were, but. You know, we we nearly got there towards the end didn't we there were a couple of moments yeah. Eddie had a good chance
1: yeah yeah no, know he did and to be fair it was a as a good chance that he you know I think he did everything he could have done in, with that chance mm-hmm. um and it was just a good save it was a good save from Pope but I think this is the thing mate like we we kind of we basically said it already you know if like you say we we were we almost did it we just needed a little bit more and that's probably the situation, you know, that, that that's exactly the kind of game where you need a little bit more off the bench or you need that little game changer. You need like an ESR, maybe a Mudric, you know, that kind of player, maybe another striking option. You know, if Hazus was fit, then it would be Enketia coming off the bench and you're chucking on a second striker kind of thing, you know, um, you just, that's where sometimes... Well, that's where it definitely did cost us. Maybe it didn't cost us as such, but maybe that's the thing that we're missing, Mm -hmm. Um, having those options to come off the bench and just maybe change it up a little bit.
0: Um, In terms of what we had, though, in terms of what we had, would you have done anything differently in hindsight? As in... In terms of subs and, you know, in in terms of what... Oh, as in who we had on it, sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, it is interesting because he... Like, I was going to sort of, yeah, I mean... I wanted to kind of ask you, really, if you feel it's probably. I'm kind of probably asking the same question back because I think the obvious, the obvious option was Vieira, right? As in, mm. I think the next option would have been Vieira if we're going for looking at our attacking potential, attacking changes. Yeah, if but, we go
0: back to the team sheet here, right, the, the subs that we had: Turner, Tierney, Tomi, Holding, laconga El Neni, Marquinhos, Vieira, Butlier, Butler, Oyedeji.
1: Yeah, so I think of those, only two stand out as potential game changers uh, Marquinhos and Vieira and mm. you know maybe Marquinhos is still a little bit raw um, you, you're probably sacrificing one of Saka or Martinelli or Nketiah to bring on Marquinhos and probably doesn't make sense but Vieira for Xhaka maybe like might have been an option um, i not saying Xhaka had a bad game or anything like that but you know that might have been the most obvious sub um, but I was yeah I, I guess what I wanted to ask you was like what would you think Arteta's thinking was around not changing it? Because there were, like, on Twitter, for example, people are saying, you know, which I think is a bit of nonsense. You know, that's that's a that's a that's his message to the board that we need to we need to strengthen in January. We need players in, um, or it or you know he he obviously doesn't trust. The options that we've got but i don't think it's personally i don't think it's either of those but i just wanted to get yeah your thoughts on what you think it might have been what the reasons so i agree with you
0: I, I don't think it's i don't think it's either of those i think it was a combination of reasons like i, I think i said at the time that if i was Vieira, i'd be pretty annoyed um with the fact that you know, if you're at home it's nil nil you're trying to unlock a defense and you're not going to bring him on it probably probably feels you know isn't that what i'm supposed to be here for like, am I, isn't this the situation in which I'm on the bench for?
1: for it was, exactly it was quite a physical game as well, right? And that mm. could have played into Arteta's thinking. Just like you said, Newcastle, a massive team. There were loads of yellow cards in that kind yeah. of first half, Um, in the first half. So maybe it was just that kind of game where he didn't feel Vieira would be able to potentially yeah. physically deal with it.
0: Maybe so. And I think, again, it goes to another point. I think you were touching on, which is like, you know, who... Who is he really going to come on for? Because okay, fine. So so Xhaka, fine. Like you know, maybe that was an option. But like you say, there's a physicality point there, and and yeah, you know, maybe Arteta thought, well, look, like, I don't want to lose this either, right? So I don't want to leave us kind of exposed. Um, in the form that Odegaard is in, n- not just because he's captain, but in the in the form, you know, he's arguably arguably the most on form playmaker in the league at the moment. Like, do you still want him in the pitch, even if he's being a little bit ineffectual? Like, don't you still want him there? And then actually, you know, you do need some tricky wingers to, you know, Saka and Martinelli again are in good form and you know operate very well in those wide areas. Would Vieira have made sense coming on from one of them? I don't I don't think he would have. Um, so yeah, maybe it was just a case where it there was just no one obvious to to bring off. Now had had we had ESR. Or if we sign Mudrick, if we had Mudric, then that's different because actually one of those players could come on for, you know, Taco or Martinelli or or even Eddie, like they could have come on for, for one of those. And and then it's a bit more like for like, and you know, you just you, you know, it's it's it, it kind of makes sense a little bit. So maybe that that was that. But I think but it still did hit home, mate. It it did feel like a bit concerning that. You know, it's a nil-nil at home, and and there was no one on the bench that we thought that could just change it, just do something a little bit different. Um, yeah. And so I did, I did feel that concern. To be I honest, mean,
1: if um if ESR had been fit, if Reese Nelson had been fit, there are probably two options that five minutes to go. Well, ESR I'd probably say would have come on a bit sooner, but you know, there are options yeah. that you've got towards the end of the game. Definitely players that could make an impact. We've seen it with ESR previously last season. We've seen it with Reese Nelson this season. So. You know they're they're two guys that we're unfortunately missing at the moment, so maybe mm-hmm. things could have been a bit different there. But yeah, I, I think overall, like uh, I, I'm sure every Arsenal fan probably agrees, and Arteta probably agrees. We're we are light, we are light on the, in mm-hmm. in terms of that. And again, just coming back to sort of ambitions for this season, I think how that is what you you said it right. That is probably potentially what, quite, well, excuse me, what might transpire to be the reason that. We just we don't win the league, or we just can't sustain what we're doing now because you do need you do need like a, a, a you do need a squad, you do need a proper squad to 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 win the league. You can't do it with twelve or thirteen players anymore. So, um, so yeah, yeah, it's a bit 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 of a shame, but it is what it is. We'll just have to see what we do in January. Hopefully,
0: it's also one of those that you always analyse the game based on the result, right? And there were a couple of moments where you know we could have scored. There a couple of good penalty shouts that we could have had. We get those mm. penalties, at least let's say one of them, we convert it, Arsenal with one nil. You reflect on the game in a completely different way. Very you true. know. Yeah. Um, so you know, maybe we shouldn't get too hung up on it. But but you know, like where, so where where does that leave us? So I think we've got oh, we've got a nice league table here, which has just um been updated since the game that's just finished. So what do we have here? You know, we've got we've played 17 man city for 17 and we've got a five-point gap. I mean
1: it's still mental. It's still mental. Yeah, it's still <laughs> Looking at that, it's still crazy.
0: It, it, it is. It is. And um yeah, you know, Newcastle nine points behind, but played a game more, and then you know, and the, there is a gap. You know, even to Man United, I say the gap is, you know, it's not as big as I thought. It was. I think the way that I thought was, if you, you know, if Man City didn't win today, say if Man City had lost, mm. which which wasn't outside the realms of possibility, if they had lost away at Chelsea, they would have thirty six points, and Man mm. United have thirty five with the same amount of games. That that's yeah. crazy like uh, that yeah, is I,
1: like, crazy yeah yeah very interesting I
0: like kind of came out of nowhere but um Spurs I think Spurs there in fifth I mean do you want to talk about Spurs for a second just just a us segue into Spurs land I mean it feels like we could talk about Spurs right now for about half an hour but just yeah. to avoid, I mean they've got 33 points because they smashed absolutely smashed Crystal Palace not really sure how given the first half they were so 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 bad yeah. um but 33 points it's you know it's a fair way away from us um not a million miles away but it's a fair way any thoughts on tottenham right now because you know their fans i saw today have i think their main supporters group have have written a statement or issued a statement to the board basically saying they have ma- massive concerns with the direction that it's going currently and they want answers
1: wow <laughs> <laughs> what? Or, like, I mean, look, I, Spurs fans, I don't know. I, I'm sure they think we're a funny bunch. I think they're a funny bunch because what? Like, yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure what. Yeah, okay, fine. I can understand why they might have concerns, but ultimately they're still in a position, you know, they're in the Champions League. They're in a position in the league where they could finish top four again. Like, I don't know what, as a Tottenham fan, what else you're, you're hoping for. Like, so, you know, fair enough, If that, if that that's if that's what they've chosen to do. But I mean... Is that just, it's just very weird with Tottenham. Like, they're very hot and cold. Um, very, very hot and cold. So it's kind of hard to predict what they're going to do next. You know, they've obviously got this trait now of of starting games pretty poorly, generally going behind and then finding a way to come back. Obviously, that was a bit different the other day. Well, it wasn't, to be honest, because I don't think they played very... I think I texted you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. WhatsApp, you guys? Maybe half-time or whatever. And I was like, something along the lines of, you know, this could be the match that retires Conte or Conte resigns because they looked awful in that first half. They looked really, really... I think the Palace were... Palace Palace looked like the team that were going to score and obviously that all changed in the second half. And I mean, this is the thing, right? They're one Harry Kane. I think, you know, even Son has not been as good this season. The is injured at the moment. It just feels like you take Harry Kane out of this team. I'm not really sure what's, what's left. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think they'd be able to sustain... Top four or fifth, even I think they'd really fall down the table, yeah. um but ultimately, like there is a big gap between us and them. But we've got them next week, right? So I'm not saying, yeah, I don't know. Like it's one for me. I mean, I know we're not talking about Spurs yet because we've got a game before then. But like that Spurs game, just kind of looking ahead a little bit. I that game for me is a game where we just can't lose. Like mm. I just, it just, it, it's a potentially one of those games where it just lifts, it just gives Spurs a lift off for, their, for the rest of the season for them. Like if they go, if they beat us again um, at the lane. So, and and given the position that we're in, if, if we get, I mean, like, obviously I'd love to go there and win, but if we can get a draw, I'd say if we can, if we get a draw, I don't think that's the worst result. And it just keeps that very, very big gap between us and them. Um, mm. And it means that we're just focusing on you know, kind of holding City off, and they're focusing on trying to sneak back into the top four. As if they, as if they, whereas if they win, the gap closes. You know, it's a six-pointer essentially. The gap closes quite a bit and um kind of changes perspectives for the rest of the it season, does. right? So, so yeah, I know. Sorry, I know that's like jumping the gun a little bit, but um, no,
0: no, it's not at all because I it, mean, it, it is important. You know, yes, you're right. We've got Oxford um in between, but, but you know come on like one and three quarter eyes are on that game aren't they you know like and it's um like you say it's it's it always you know like it always is with the derby it feels but the last couple of seasons it feels like we go away to spurs at really important like conjunctures of the season i think and like you say if we lose i don't know who who is it the city have got next in the league do you know i don't know i don't okay um well you know if we lose and man city win then 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 the gap's two points and then it's you know mentally that's tough because that's just one result um you know was one result away from flipping um Mm -hmm. and then you know then then you start kind of well you start wondering then you got man united who are coming up now we'll have a look at the fixtures in a second but and like you say you know tottenham you don't want it to propel them but we it's tough as well because you kind of want to just you you wish it wasn't a you wish it wasn't a derby in theory right because because otherwise all you've got is a situation where you've got a very good team at the top of the league playing a team who are very ropey home or away Mm. uh, but you know it seems to make no difference and Unai Emery's just gone there with Villa and just you know humbled them completely um you think you know we're better than Aston Villa we should be going to Tottenham and you know if we if we turn it on, if we play just like this isn't a derby and they're just another team, mm. then we win that game. We're a much better side than they yeah. are
1: this season. It's get, it's going to be interesting as well because yeah, exactly that right. If we can if we can like not play the occasion because that's what happened last season, right? When we went there and lost mm. when we needed to just not lose, like that was just a must not lose game. Um, and we went there and yeah, we just completely got sucked into the occasion. Um, and. And, and and the atmosphere and the crowd and all of that and and, it, and we, yeah we basically just sort of folded really didn't we so I, I'm hoping that we've learned a little bit from that experience and the St James's Park experience last season you know that those kind of pressure games last season where we just didn't either turn up or mentally we weren't right whatever it was like I'm hoping that we've learned a little bit of a lesson because um, I'm very very glad that this game is not at the same time as it was last season. So I'm glad this is not like the second or third last season. It's not going to define season.
0: this. It's not going exactly. yeah. like, to...
1: There's time to come back. Like If we do have a bad result, there's time to come back. But look, I think at the end of the day, it's kind of like my, my attitude towards it is quite similar to the Newcastle game in the sense that, like you say, if we go there and play our game, you know, on paper and so far this season, we are the better team. Um, and we've shown that we can pretty much beat anyone. Um, so... It's it's just to get it's, you know they've got to look at it as another game and just try to perform as obviously perform as, uh, at as high a higher level as possible Um and just try to play smart as well because you know what Spurs are like like you know what players like Harry Kane are like you know and and they always get the, they always get their kind of annual pen, penalty against us so we just got to be smarter than we were last season as well you know again not play the occasion but um just be be savvy when it comes to you know everything basically you know the 50 50s and just like trying to spurs players trying to wind us up all of that kind of stuff we just need to block it all out as much as possible so it's going to be yeah i mean i'm not really sure what to expect in terms of a result i know we're not predicting the game now but i'm not really sure what to expect because um like you say like they're their spurs can be really ropey and they've shown that but it's just it's a derby isn't it at the end of the day so who 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 knows what's going to happen
0: agree and as you say you know we'll preview it properly after the oxford game um but you know our our fixtures that are coming up look look like this um so for those of you who can't see we've just got the fixtures up on the screen so we were away at oxford next on monday um monday the 9th of january then we we're away at spurs uh on the, uh, the the following sunday followed by man united at home the following week and then everton away home against brentford and then home against man city um so it's kind of a bit of a mixed bag of fixtures, really, because on one hand, you know, we've got Oxford away and, you know, with the greatest respect to Oxford, you, you expect that even if we rest our main players, we should still be winning that game. Um, and we we'll, let's talk about that in a second in more detail. But then, you know, the Spurs Arsenal, very tough. Home against Man United. Yeah, I mean, you know, we generally win that game, but it's tough and Man United are in a much better place away at Everton, you know, Everton have been struggling this season, but, you know, they, they they get a decent result every now and again. They just drew with Man City. Brentford at home, again, because we're at home, we're, we're, we're Arsenal, and, we, you know, we, we very rarely, very, very, very rarely don't win, a, you know, aside from random games against Newcastle maybe, but it's Brentford, and actually they are a bit random as well. Um, and then obviously City, which is huge. What do you make of that fixture list, Mize? Um, because I think during this period, although we don't have it up against us uh, on the screen here, I think City have got quite a quite a packed set of fixtures. Um they've got more games than we do. Um so because I think they've got um they've got um is it the Carling Cup that they've got both legs of the Carling Cup kind of wedged before this. Oh, I right. um, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah yeah, I'm I'm pretty certain they do. Uh and um so I think that's Chelsea twice, right? I think they play Chelsea twice. Um so uh, maybe I've got this wrong, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> that's the case. I'm okay. pretty sure that's the case. Anyways, they've got a tough, they've got a tough like chunk of fixtures. Yeah. Um, so what I mean, what do you think when you look at that? I mean, does that, does that fixture assess scare you? What, what are your thoughts? Not
1: really. I mean, like, we've, we've done this so many times before where, um, yeah, we've looked forward to fixtures and, and picked out games where we say, yeah, that that's, that's three points. It should be three points. And it hasn't, just doesn't work that way. It hasn't happened that way. I remember Everton, no. Everton away last season. Was it last season? I think it was last season. Damari Gray, was that last season? last minute mm, winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Everton yeah. like were rubbish. They were rubbish last season as well. They were in the middle of a really bad patch of form and yet they still beat us. Um so I mean look in terms of like on paper, it's it, it feels like it's a little bit like crunch time, you know, like there's mm. some seriously massive games in there. But I think if we can get through those those four, the first four league games. Um, yeah. What
0: what would you what what's what does that mean when you say get through? What does that mean? Those four games before City.
1: <sighs> um. I mean, like I said, I think Spurs is a must not lose. I don't think we have to go there and win. Hmm. It's just a must not lose. So I just looked up. So City have got United this weekend. Ah, uh, sorry, okay. next weekend. Um. So so that's like you know who knows what could happen in that game, but yeah, I just think. You just don't want Spurs to come back into it because I think you I think we're looking at say, was it eleven points before like eleven points currently, is it? Or nine point? What is it?
0: Eleven points, but 11. Spurs played one more. Well, yeah.
1: So, you know, you start if the if the gap goes into single figures, then they've probably got a bit of hope that they can maybe catch us and the pressure then goes back onto us. So I think it's must not lose. United at home. I really we really need to win that game I think. I think we need to win that. I think home games like if we're really really are going for the title even as good as United have been since the uh since the break, I think you've got to have you've got to have pretty strong home form and I think that's a game that we need to go and win. I think Everton we should go and win. And I think we need to beat Brentford. So I think if you're talking about coming getting through that period with a, with you know if the target is basically trying to retain first place um then which obviously it is but you know what i mean right then i'm sort of looking at uh 10 points from those four games yeah
0: i would um i would tend to agree with it i think if it is okay if we genuinely think that we want to try and win the league mm. then i think it is 10 and at a minimum nine um but i think I think if I look at that set of fixtures, if we came out with two wins and two draws, I'd feel like, do you know what? Maybe that's fair. Like, you know, there are a couple of tough Spurs Arsenal. Like, like you say, like, I mean, if we came out with a draw, I'd probably be quite happy. Obviously I want us to win, but I'd probably be okay. I'd be okay with the draw. Yeah. And then I think out of those next three games, you know, it's just, maybe maybe there's a and then obviously you know I say this and then obviously a lot depends then on Arsenal City because I I genuinely feel like we could we could lose one of the games leading up to Man City we could we could drop points in a couple of those games but we could beat Man City
1: yeah yeah we could we can definitely beat Man City I mean it was last season wasn't it where it was like a Rodri last minute winner we weren't that you know we had played so well that game and We've come on even stronger since then. Um, so no, we can. I mean, like, I'm really yeah. So I, I'm very much looking forward to that city game. But I think the main thing for us going into the city game, whatever kind of points tally we we we, how many points we get from those four games, the main thing is like the state of the the state of the team, the state of the squad. You know, injuries. Um, I know Hazus isn't going to be back, but you know, you look at the bench. Like we've talked about a few times now, the the next players to come in. Is um th- there's a bit of a concern there, really, right? Mm-hmm. We might do some business between now and the city game, and hopefully we do. But again, it's probably going to be eight open. Someone a- yeah. coming today, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a player maybe two Um, yeah. no one's expecting kind of you know us to bolster the squad that that massively. So, um, like if we're if we're a couple of key players down, come the city game, which is very possible because. A number of you know is now now until the end of the season. It's just gonna, there's just there's just going to be so many games. Like if Partey's yeah. injured, if Saka's injured, for example, whatever you know, like whoever it might be, you go into the City game and then you're looking across and they've got like you pointed out, Grealish coming off the bench, Mara's coming off the bench. They can play or don't play Cancelo. They can play or choose not to play Carl Walker, for example, whatever. Like you know, they've got all of these options and 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 all of these alternatives and different things they can try. It makes it quite tough, but again if we're in a position where we don't actually have to, we we might be in a position where a draw might not be the worst result. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind Mm -hmm. of just want to maintain the gap, you know, maintain that distance. Um, So who knows, like, you know, we might get to that we might get to that what mid-February game and it's just a case of right again look you know we'll go out to win the game but the most important thing is if you can't win it don't lose it basically what Arteta said after Newcastle um and then you just have to be so consistent and just on it with all of the other games right and just make sure you're just churning out win after win then yeah that that's probably gonna be our kind of almost best chance of trying to win win this title if that's what we're trying to do but like I said before, man. Like, just keep me in the top four. Just that's that's uh, that will be enough for me this season.
0: I agree with you. I'm conscious of time, but like, I want to. There's two things I want to touch on. So maybe we just give each of them five minutes and try and try and rattle through. One is one is literally Oxford. So five minutes yeah. on Oxford and five minutes on transfers. So o- Oxford come out this weekend. What is it? Is it straightforward for you, miles In the sense that we, you, know, do you do do you rest the first team?
1: I think you have to now. Like. I'm not sure he has, I'm not sure he necessarily will. I'm not sure Arteta will rest everyone because that probably means I'm just thinking in my head who would come in, but that probably means a couple of youth players maybe and I'm not sure if he'll necessarily want to do that like because last season who did we go out to in the cup? Was it the not cup? Nottingham Forest. Forest when they were in the championship and I remember like Patino played that game and mm. a few other players and it just didn't work like and I'm not saying you know, in the grand scheme of things, it might not be the worst thing to go out of the cup. But as a fan, I don't, obviously don't want us to go out right and, and mm. want to win the FA Cup this season if we can. So um, I'm kind of thinking he might keep one or two more senior players in. But like, the good thing is, is that we have we have options when you think about like Turner, Tommy Asu, Tierney. They're, I'm assuming they're all going to start. Yeah, Vieira, Elneny. Or well, Cedric, Col- a farewell game. I don't, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm indifferent to it, but you know, if, if Arteta wants to do that, is he, is he definitely leaving or?
0: Well, no, it seems fairly strong links. It sounds like uh, okay. he's just kind of negotiating yeah. the, the right thing, but yeah. But, but even more, like, like your point around, um, you know, that he might not rest everyone. I mean, he can't really get, because with centre-backs, like he kind of ends up, if he's, if he rests Gabriel and Saliba, then he can only do holding. And maybe like a Ben White or Tommy Asu at centre back. Yeah. Like I don't think he's going to find a random like. you know, If Matt Smith at centre half, I don't know. Is he going to bring him in? I don't know. Like he's no. not going.
1: To... And, and that's probably the position. One of the areas you might want to just keep someone like Rob Holding's obviously obviously a senior player. I mean, to be fair, all of those defenders that come in Tommy Asu, Tierney, they're all experienced players. So it's not like you're bringing in kids. But right. yeah, I mean, that might be a position where he might just keep Gabriel at, at, at left centre back, maybe. Um But I think generally it'll probably probably be like I'm I'm hoping Saka's nowhere near the squad. For example, like Mm -hmm. I just don't Mm -hmm. want him because it's away. Yeah, it's Oxford away, right? Like, and I'm sure their tactics going to be to try and rough us up and all the rest of it, um, uh, uh, and try and play a physical game. I have no idea how Oxford play football and what kind of football they play, but I would assume that's going to be what they're going to try and do to us so don't want Saka anywhere near the pitch ideally don't really want Martinelli anywhere near the pitch but I can see them maybe maybe being on the bench to come on if we really really need them to but I feel like Arteta hasn't really been afraid of like he's not really I don't know if he's he's not afraid or he's just like obviously look we don't know right but it it, it feels like there isn't really a concern yet of players going into that red zone. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, Yeah, yeah. There's not really that worry yet, or he's, or it's just a case of, he doesn't feel like he can make the changes and still get enough of a, you know, a sufficient performance level out of those, out of those, that second string basically. But like a lot of players are just playing 90 minutes in the league. So, and then, you know, they're not even getting five or 10 minutes off. So um, I wouldn't be like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he keeps a few senior players more than likely on the bench, but he might start a couple of them. I mean, Nketiah might have to start. Yeah, that's the thing. I was wondering about that. What do you think he'll do there? Because what what option does he have? Unless he
0: genuinely gets a kid to come and play centre forward. I
1: just I can't, I mean, you're looking at what Marquinhos, Vieira. ESR's not i can't he's not going to throw ESR in like you know even if he's back but he's you know so there's like a good up.
0: chance that like, someone like a Nguaneri will will play someone right. like that like there's that cosier dubrey yeah yeah um and uh, i think Kalon edwards is kind of the the other kind of centre forward from um who who looks fairly promising yeah but like i
1: cuz it's that's a rest though cuz you, you can't, what happens if you play eddie and he gets injured mm, what are we going to do Massive risk. Well, and got to sign a striker in, yeah, in, about, yeah, exactly. in about 10 days or whatever it is. So, two yeah. weeks. So, yeah, that, that I mean, that's the thing. There isn't, ugh, I don't know. I don't know what, what, what do you do? Um, I, I, I don't, I can't see him starting a kid up front. Like, that's a lot of pressure because the, the names you mentioned, like, these guys are not even getting minutes, like, in the league, obviously. And mm. maybe they came on like in the Europa League, I don't remember to be honest, or they've got some minutes in the Europa League, but you know, you're just throwing these guys in cold and expect it. We still need to win the game, right? Like
0: mm. still need
1: to win the game. Just put, put the game to bed as early as possible and, and make the changes if, we, you know, whatever, like just basically then manage the game from there. So yeah, it's going to be quite interesting. I, I have a feeling he might just have to start in Ketia because there's just literally mm. no one else. Um, uh, And just, yeah, hope and pray that nothing happens to him.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because, if something does happen to him, I can see a, uh, a certain Ukrainian club adding another 50, Hmm. 60 million onto a price tag of someone talking Hmm. about that for a five minutes my, so look like it's the, the biggest, the the biggest news story with regards to Arsenal transfers is the, um, is the quite public pursuit now, I guess, of, of Mudrik. It's, both parties have basically, you know, almost come out and said that it's it's the negotiating and blah blah blah. Um, Shakhtar seemed to be really bullish, and apparently we made a second bid, and it hasn't been clear as to whether that second bid's been turned down. We don't really know w- what the status is. Um, we know yeah. that the player like is gagging for it. Yeah, he's yeah. basically on his knees. Don't so think you can can do much more than what what he's doing to come. Um, we know that like there's been rumors of Chelsea kind of trying to hijack the bid now getting another couple of injuries in the game just now well I don't know if they'll take that kind of even more seriously and really be going for it what's Mm. your feeling on this one um do you do you do you feel like we need to kind of get it done whatever whatever or um
1: uh I've started you know my my um kind of ethos as it were when it comes to transfers now is I as a fan don't really care like how much we spend anymore like I use like most Arsenal fans have this thing where it's like, oh, you know, why are we paying 60 million for this guy? It's way too much. We shouldn't be paying anywhere more than anything, more than 40 or whatever. Like Arsenal fans turn into like accountants and financial experts. But, and I, I used to be one of those, right. But I just don't really like, you know, for me, it's like, if I guess it's because I've got so much trust now in what we do, what we've done uh, in terms of transfers in the players that we have brought in, the risks that we've taken, you know, the faith that we put into certain players, when if if it's a case of Shakhtar just asking for too much and the club feel it's he's not worth that level of investment, then fine, we walk away. Like it is a it is a different it's probably a different scenario now than we expected it would be back at the start of the season, in terms of he potentially could be the difference between first and second or second and third, whatever, or winning the Europa League or not, for example. But at the same time, like. I'm pretty comfortable with the club just, you know, basically taking the taking the right corner. And, and and it does feel like Shakhtar, uh, like, I think he's played like 30 professional games or something like that mm, mm-hmm. in it's his career. At all. Yeah. It's, not, it's not for the money they're asking for, right? And apparently the reason they're asking for so much is based on similar types of players, positionally. Anthony being cited. And, yeah, yeah. Grealish and, being and, cited, and you, yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's City and Man United putting that money down. So, um... Mm you know it, it it does it i think it like when we last spoke which was a couple of weeks ago i think you were very confident that that deal would happen mm. i wasn't so much because i felt like it was quite a lot of money that i didn't think the club would do in january now a, a couple of things have happened since then since we last spoke which is one we've had some really good results and we've maintained our position at the top and i do wonder if that might just almost nudge not nudge but it might just make them think make the club think well look you know if we're not going to do it now if we're not going to just almost take the plunge now and let's see if this is what basically I'm kind of thinking they're basically they're thinking no regrets pretty much because last season last January we didn't invest we didn't bring in a striker we didn't do anything and it ultimately cost us right we we, yeah. we we slipped away at the end of the season and i'm just thinking i'm I, I, i'm kind of hoping that the club are thinking well we need to do we need to do some sort of business because if we don't we might look at it look back at it at the end of the season and have some regrets and i think you know they've obviously identified him as the the guy um and that's fine i don't think we'll get like absolutely you know i don't think we'll we'll go I don't think we'll pay what Shakhtar are asking. I think that's Mm -hmm. kind of obvious based on the offers that have gone in. Um, But it sounds like we're just trying to, yeah, just trying to get a price agreed and um, see if Shakhtar will accept. So I kind of, I'm fairly hopeful it will happen um, and it will, but yeah, like the Chelsea thing did worry me a little bit. Like the links with Chelsea did worry me a little bit. Like you say, another couple of injuries. I wonder wonder if that changes things, things for them.
0: Would you do? Any- Is there anything else that you do in the in the window?
1: Well, I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> I'd probably buy a whole new bench, like you know, as in, like, yeah, yeah there's, there's, uh, obviously, like, I think um, realistically, I, I want to say central midfield, but I don't know how you. I don't know if there's anyone like El as a player that comes in for two or three or four games isn't a bad option. Like, uh-huh. he's obviously not. A party, um nowhere near and I think if you play him for long enough you play him for like 10 games there will be those games where you just realize okay yeah he's he's not he's just not as good he's just not as good in every department but I can't see us signing a another big-time midfielder. I can't see us signing a Bellingham or Rice in January, right? I don't think anyone's expecting that, right? So I'm kind of like, well, it would be good to bring in a squad player, but I think it would probably be someone like at that kind of level and on any level, but it'd be more for the numbers and, you know, yeah, bolstering the squad and just having that backup in case we need it in central midfield. Um, Yeah, obviously, a striker would be amazing if we can get someone in, but again, like, How do you, how do you bring, you know, we had this up, we had this debate last season, right? When Newcastle signed Chris Wood, Mm. you know, it was quite interesting because when Chris Wood came off the bench uh, the other night, I did think, you know what, despite me and you probably saying, you know, he's not the, he's not the player that we want to sign for the reasons we talked about last, last, um, last January, hypothetically, you know, having him on our bench, as a bit of a wildcard type sub wouldn't be the worst thing a player like that right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so if there is a striker out there that you know is like an option b when we need like we needed the other night we needed to bring someone on and you know hope the ball breaks in the box or there's a there's a cross or a set piece or something and gets on the end of it if there's a striker like that then yeah i'd be more than happy for someone like that to come in um, and if they're happy to kind of sit on the bench and play a bit part, because like these games now, like once the Europa league comes back, there's just going to be so many games.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Um, and if we go, it's hard, it's, hard, it's hard because you need to find a player who is really happy to play that very specific role. They're going to have to know that they're not even going to be necessarily second choice. Yeah. Like it's, they're more of a, they're, they're basically there as a bench player, but they're actually probably arguably going to get more minutes then sometimes your second choice would, because you're going to have game situations where you want to change it up. Now, if we hypothetically, if you've got Gabriel Jesus on the pitch, and you need a goal, okay, you could bring Eddie on totally, whatever. But he's not necessarily adding too much of a different dimension, you know. Yeah. Yep. So, so you, you want someone like, but like you said, it's just so hard to. F- it's like
1: who. It it would. I mean, I I guess the the great position that we're in is we're obviously pretty attractive to come to right now, right? Because you're basically saying to any player, like you could be the guy that comes and is the difference that helps us win the Premier League, or you know, wins the Europa League this season. So, um, you know, if you're looking at kind of lower league, sorry, lower clubs in the Premier League, or basically, yeah, like clubs in the you know mid-table teams that might have a striker that would be more than happy to come there might be a deal there to be done maybe but it doesn't look like we're, we're not really being linked with anyone I think the only link is like Vlaovic isn't it I think there was mm. like talk about we might be backing for him because whatever's going on with him but I don't know man part of me is like screw him he didn't want to come to us last yeah year, I, on, I'm that too
0: I, I said I think I think they've made it so clear Arsenal made it so clear Gabriel Jesus is number one mm. and so I think that it's going to be very I can't see a situation where we go sign another striker who would, you know, kind of be fighting for that number one spot. I just, I don't see. What well, I see more like, that's why I, I think the stuff like the Mudrick deal makes more sense because that suddenly gives you a bit more options because you could have situations where then Martinelli could come and play central if he needed to play central. And and then yeah. you've got someone like Mudrick who, who play there. Um, yeah. But I'd re- like, just, you know, I'd really like to see us sign a central midfielder, a backup central midfielder. I think that um, the drop-off is just too big Mm. um, with these two. I think any names, any? Well, you know, if 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 we were to go get Tielemans in January, Mm. I'd be pretty happy with that, and I think it would make sense because I I feel like. It wouldn't necessarily be a massive drop off at all from Xhaka. There are some people who would there who would argue that Tielemans would be an upgrade. Maybe in some elements of his game, he he is. Like I would have definitely had said that at the beginning of the season. But the fact that yeah. Xhaka is just taking it to his level, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know too much about like Danilo from um you know Brazil, but you know he, he has you know people sort of raving up, uh, about him. Um, I I I do think that it should be someone who is of the quality where it's just that the drop off isn't. There, like you know, it's well, okay, it might be a little bit of a drop off in some respects, but it's not how it is right now. And that makes me concerned a little bit about Laconga. I feel like he's been with the club for a little bit of time now, and Arteta clearly doesn't really trust him yet, yeah. Um, and I'd be really interested to see where that goes. So, part of the reason why you know, I'd quite like to get another central midfielder in this party because I I feel like I feel like Laconga could leave in the summer, yeah.
1: You know, yeah. so I it's think it's not really worked it, out, has it? Yeah, it's not. So it's far. not
0: really worked out. And I think in the summer that you know we are probably going to make central midfielder. You know, a a a. I imagine it's going to be a, quite a focus. But I think we need. We probably need two. We need someone who's going to be like a, a rotation sort of player, and then you need someone who is going to be a successor to someone like Thomas Partey. Like if you know, we can talk about this in another episode. But if Declan Rice is available and if there is a chance for us to get him. Yeah, I totally. Think we should be getting him. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know, for that's sure. your central midfield. Like that's that position nailed down for years. Um, but I, I guess we agree. can talk about that another time. Um, we we've been chatting for a while, I mean, you know we haven't had a recording um since pre Christmas, right? Right? Is that right?
1: No. Uh, do we talk about the West Ham game? I can't I remember now. To so be honest, I don't think, I think, I don't think we did. It's been a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we did. So yeah, look, um, hey, man, it's been great chatting. Look. Uh, everyone who's sort of tuned into the live stream but anyone who's now listening on recorded thank you so much um really appreciate it please like share subscribe this um subscribe to this rather um we'd really appreciate it and um it's still it's still despite the fact that we didn't win you know because we're really used to to winning um it's still a fantastic time to be an arsenal fan right now isn't it mice
1: yeah man We have got to just enjoy it enjoy the ride uh i remember we all remember some pretty bad times over the last few years so this is um this is one of those highs that whatever happens at the end of the season you just gotta enjoy it and um, kind of soak it in a little bit and let's see what happens come the end of the season
0: agree and a very quick oxford prediction mys i mean i presume should we just keep it as simple as we think that we're gonna win
1: <laughs> yeah um three nil arsenal
0: Okay. Um, I, I think the 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 joy of the FA Cup, the the charm of the FA Cup, means I think Oxford might score, but I think it will yeah. be a three-one.
1: Anything, anything other than Arsenal win and Jesus, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what league they're in. They League One, League Two. Oh, you're on mute, mate.
0: How long have I been on mute for?
1: Just like ten, five seconds.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Fine. So what I was You, said three,
0: say, you but, said three. You said three. One. Uh, An Oxford might score. Okay. Good. Fine. fine. So Oxford United are um, in the in League One. So we have got it right. Well done. They um, <laughs> they just, they've just um, oh they've had a bit of a bit of a random few results recently, um. So they just lost their most recent game. They just lost at home to Exeter. Okay. They beat Charlton though um, prior to that, but then got battered by Ipswich. We're doing quite well in the League One to be fair, but they got battered by Ipswich and then drew with Sheffield Wednesday before that. So you know, you know, we really should win.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what we're taking yeah. from from that analysis, but yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: what well, I guess what we'll say is they're not going into this in very good form. They've won just one game out of their last four games, so um, you know they're not in great form yeah let's hope for the best eh?
1: as long as yeah man can't can't be dealing with a uh, an upset
0: <laughs> Me too. all right everyone thank you very much for joining enjoy your week and um yeah uh look forward to oxford take care guys thanks mice
1: cheers mate see you guys soon bye